Hello everyone, it's Michael Rosso. This is the Film Photography Podcast for September 1st, 2010. If this is the first time you're you're listening to the podcast, welcome. This is a podcast about shooting still photography with film. It's a podcast about having fun doing that. It's a podcast about discovery of different cameras, different film stocks. It's a podcast about being inspired and lending inspiration to others. Before we get started, just a few quick announcements. There are two upcoming events that Film Photography Podcast listeners are part of and started, and the first of which is Kodachrome Photo Walk in Kleinberg, Ontario, Canada on October 16th, 2010 from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Kodachrome Film Stock, if you don't know, is an amazing transparency film stock invented by Kodak. In 2009, Kodak discontinued this stock. There's no other stock like it on the planet, and there probably never will be. We all only have till December 30th, 2010 to get any existing Kodachrome processed, and John Meadows, who is a film photography podcast listener, is putting together a photo walk on October 16th in Kleinberg, Ontario, from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. On our very own Flickr group, by the way, if you're not a member of Flickr, it's a great, great uh, platform for having your work seen and for, of course, storing your work as well. Flickr.com. We have a film photography podcast group on Flickr. It's very active. And I'm excited to say that uh, a, a FPP listener, Michael Kalia, has initiated a sort of group project which is called a print exchange. So if you go to our Flickr group and go to the thread that says print exchange, if you leave your name in that thread, say I'm in, basically you will take uh, one of your works, one of your photos of your choice and make a print of it, be it print it yourself or send it out to a photo lab to get a print made. Then you will take that print and you will mail it to the person that will be assigned to you by by Michael. And likewise, you will receive a print back from another film photography podcast listener. It's a great idea. It's a lot of fun. I'm I'm in. It's pretty exciting. And you have till September 17th to go to Flickr.com. Type in Film Photography Podcast Groups, find our group, join the group, find the thread, print exchange, and become involved with this project. All the actual information and rules are listed on that thread. Thanks, Michael. Welcome to the Film Photography Podcast. Welcome, everyone. For September 1st, 2010. Film Photography Podcast. The podcast for people who love to shoot film. And you know, we've had, uh, Dwayne, a lot of uh, 
emails from folks who have uh, stumbled across the podcast via iTunes and were digital shooters and started shooting film, or were film shooters dropped the film to shoot digitally and now, like a few years later, are rediscovering film. It's good to see you, Dwayne. Good to see you too, Mike. It's we, been a month. Yes, we've had our uh, we had our uh, summer va- summer vacation music show, which was a lot of fun. Did you uh, the Pink Delicates played? Did they not? They did. They did played, they play right here? Right here. Live. Live. Wow, that's wild. Yeah, it is. Oh. I did not. I did not hear that show. No. I have never once heard a podcast. Who was the guy who played uh, Obi Wan Kenobi? Alec Guinness. Alec Guinness. I saw an interview with Alec Guinness. He, you know, he is a performer. He does his job, and that's it. You're not going to catch. He's dead now. You're not going to catch Alec Guinness watching the Star Wars trilogy. It just ain't going to happen. I don't like listening to my own voice, and I say, "Oh, I, oh, I, I said something stupid." So for me, it's just you know, I guess it's a sense of uh, self-consciousness. Well, but you you add sound effects and you edit it, and I, I feel bad that I've I've never enjoyed the, the finished polished product. C41. One two three, forget about it. Gossin Luna Pro F. One two three, forget about it. K14. C41. Gossin Luna Pro F. One two three, forget about it. K-14. Well, there's something to be said for the fact that you contributed, you do it, and then you go, that's it. I mean, you know, you're on with your life, and, you know, when there's a podcast to record, you're here, we talk about film. Is there a reason to listen back to, to, to bask in your own, you know, like, oh, yeah. Oh, I like what I said there. Well, I do want to share with you, Dwayne, that... Now we have uh, on filmphotographypodcast.com, there's the download the show. And you had said that, you know, gosh, Mike, you know, to me this is funny, but I guess it's really not funny. Because, I mean, you know, we're in New York and the New York area and everything's fast-paced. But there are a lot of people in, you know, mid-America who, who you know, don't have, who have dial-up. Dwayne has dial-up. <laughs> I, I do. It's like you put a phone... Jack. In and then, the wall. do you actually hear the modem? Sure. Which is, is, I mean, how lame is that? Uh, I will tell you. It's, it, it's you know, I, I, I forget, but I, I should, there's nothing to make, there's nothing to laugh about. Rob Nunn, he's one of our listeners. Mm-hmm. I've heard his name, recognized the name. Yes. And he actually is doing our show notes now. Oh. So after the show. He gets the copy of the show, a file, and then he goes through it and actually does the show notes, which are on the blog. But I'm, I'm mentioning Rob Nunn because Rob Nunn said to me, he recommended, he's like, Why don't you have a much smaller file for people who have a slower connection so they can listen to the podcast? I mean, the audio is not going to be as you know as crisp, but people who have a slower connection just want to hear the show without having to worry about buffering. So... I guess the thing is now, Dwayne, if you wanted to listen to the show, now you can. Because you've done something, technologically speaking, that allows people with dial-up connections to uh, right to listen to it without buffering. There's a download, or there's a download to download a small file. Well, I'm switching to cable next week, so. Oh my oh. god! <laughs> you know why I live in a situation with other people? Yes. And I thought it was going to be. Uh, short-lived and transient so i didn't bother you know getting 
incorporating a, a cable modem. So, but the thing of it is, it turned into a long-term situation. So, you know, it's just it's just laziness on my part that I didn't do it. Okay. It's like I'm a technophobe or something. Right. I'm well, behind the times. Well, in case you have I'm a cutting-edge dude, Mike. If you have a problem with that hookup <laughs> next week, mm-hmm. then you know you, you fall back on the uh, di- the dial-up version. Okay. So. We are podcasting from uh, John Fideli's studio in Montclair, New Jersey. It's in the very lower level of his home. Uh, John is scheduled to join us today. He's he's haunt he's haunting his house somewhere in this big house. He's he's somewhere. He's around here somewhere. Yes. So he'll join us, so don't be shocked. I'm looking at a lovely drum set. Yes, John. A, a drum kit. Half of the Pink Delicates. Uh, last episode, episode 13, it was our summer vacation, the Pink Delicates. Not only did they play live, but we premiered some new cuts. But welcome, anyone joining us for the first time. This is a podcast about shooting film and about all types of film, cameras, vintage, new. I did want to talk briefly about some Polaroid stuff. <laughs> oh, no. Now, Dwayne, I had no idea that Polaroid in the 1990s, they were trying to resuscitate instant photography because even though it was pre-digital cameras, in the 1990s, uh, 35mm point-and-shoot cameras were premium. I mean, they ruled. Everyone's grandmother had a 35mm point-and-shoot camera. Polaroid, for whatever reason, was losing market share to these 35mm point-and-shoot cameras and also the short-lived... APS? Yeah, it, yes, it's it's like it's like a cartridge that looks like 35 that was easier to load. That was just a lame attempt on the part of the photography industry, I think, to just kind of introduce a new format in the hopes of creating uh, another another market share, you know. And it just why would you want to do that? So, unbeknownst to me, uh, anyone who's listened to the podcast knows that I have a problem, that I have a Polaroid problem right now. Serious. I, I mean, I'm, I'm talking serious problem now. I'm talking about maybe I need to go to like a Polaroid clinic. Like a detox. <laughs> Pack film, Polaroid 600 film, Polaroid SX70 film, Polaroid 300 film. But now, uh, unbeknownst to me, there in the 1990s was a new format called Polaroid F- Type 500. Are you aware? Are you aware of Polaroid Type 500? No, I, I've never heard of it. It's a new. Look at this. It's a. It's an. It was a new format. It's smaller than the Polaroid 600, mm-hmm. but it's uh, lar- larger than the new, you know, Fuji Instax. Wow. And Polaroid 300. And the spokes, the spokesperson for Polaroid at the time was now, not was not Lady Gaga. It was not Lady Gaga. It was Sinbad. No, Sinbad. It was yes. The, the, most people probably don't know because Sinbad had a rather flourishing uh, movie career for a while. He got his start on the the talent show that was the precursor to American Idol. What was it? Uh, Star Search with Ed McMahon. Is that right? That's true. And he was a comedian, and mm-hmm. then he was like a TV star, movie star for a little while. Yeah, he had a pretty good career for like 10 years. Yeah. So these uh, spots, TV spots, if you type in Polaroid 500 or Polaroid Captiva into YouTube, you'll see the... Uh, You'll see the Sinbad commercial for the what's called the Polaroid Captiva SLR camera. Look at that thing. It's huge. Yeah, it's huge. And it's real sturdy. I'm going to hand it over to you. And it opens up. It's a whole different design than previous Polaroids. Oh, it's rather hefty. Yes. It's, it's, it's a very sturdy camera. I don't know what the original price of it was. But I can tell you that right now, if you want to buy a Polaroid Captiva camera on eBay, it will cost you... 99 cents. 
Oh my goodness. This is 99 cents. The dilemma is that Polaroid 500 film doesn't exist anymore. This is the perfect time to try my new Polaroid Captiva. Hey, where's the picture? There's no picture. How can that be a Polaroid camera if there's no picture? The Polaroid Captiva. The pictures stay in till you take them out. Maybe if you shake it. Yeah, shake the camera. Polaroid Type 500, it's an image size of 73 by 54 millimeters. It's an ISO of 600 and has 10 pictures to a pack. It was produced from 1993. Well, the camera was produced 93 through 97. That's a short period of time. Yes. It's, I mean, it must have. It must have. Bombed. I mean, bombed. The existing expired packs for this camera, right now, they, they've all expired. I mean, they expired, it seems to me, anywhere between late 90s and 2004. That's the only packs I've found. But they're fetching anywhere from 20 to $50 on eBay. For the film. For the film. And the camera's a dollar. Yeah, the camera's gorgeous, by the way. I mean, this is new. It's a beautiful camera. Yeah. It really is nice. It really, truly is a, a nice-looking camera. But the packs, you see, this is a consumer camera. It was aimed at a consumer market. I don't think professionals or artists use this camera. So this pack was in, like, a household. And any existing packs, you know, based on my research and me kind of futzing around with this format, have been stored very poorly, which means that all the chemicals are dried out, which means that... You could buy a pack of film on eBay for $50. And it's useless. Useless, not returnable. <laughs> oh, man. That's really painful, dude. I saw uh, a post that you had on, I believe it was Facebook, where you said f- a Polaroid film failure or something like that? That was this. That, that, that was that. So that's what we're talking about right now. Absolutely. I'm oh, put, my goodness. I'm going to put a empty pack in just so you can hear the, the mechanics of it. Uh, and then you would look you could do it vertically or horizontal it's very nice to look through the viewfinder and when there's film in it because these packs are so old now if you're lucky enough for the film to actually eject the batteries are kind of weak so it, it does this but it's a much more sickly sound <laughs> yeah it's like and I can tell you, uh, this camera, the, the big plus for this particular camera, the Polaroid Captiva SLR, was that the new thing in the 90s. It's amazing seeing the Sinbad commercials because the Sinbad commercials are, are very much, what was that show with the Wayan Brothers and... Uh, uh, living Color? It's, there, it was, the commercial's very in living color. Polaroid asked me, Sinbad needs supermodels to demonstrate the sleek, stylish Captiva camera. It holds the pictures inside the camera's special pocket till you take them out and put them in a your pocket. <laughs> My pocket. <laughs> the Polaroid Captiva. The film will eject and go into a window in the back, mm-hmm. so you could shoot the entire pack of film and never have to worry. And it will about store all your, your prints. Yes. Wow. And then you just pull them out with this little, this little window here. It's a very cool camera. I mean, it takes good pictures if you have a, a pack of film that actually works. Did you ever get a pack of film yes. that works? I have some images on my Flickr account. I mean, if anyone out there is a Polaroid fanatic like me, for a, for nothing practically, you can get a Polaroid Captiva. I mean, look, this comes in a faux leather case. I mean, this is the bomb. The case is worth more than a camera. Unbelievable. Uh, and then you could, if you're lucky, you'll find an auction where film comes with the camera. Mm-hmm. And then you could kind of just play around with it. But that's not all. There is more, Dwayne. In the, um, for the same type of film, Polaroid was bold enough 
to introduce what's known as the Polaroid Joy Cam, which I bought brand new for 99 cents. Oh. The Polaroid, was that off of the Bay? Yeah, the Bay, eBay.com, yeah. The Joy Cam. And it's a lo-fi manual camera. It's, I mean, I'm, I'm going to load a, a pack of film in it right now. It's extraordinary. Oh, by the way, on the Captiva, I loaded a pack of film. The, the, when, I, when I fired the shutter, the pack exploded chemicals. <laughs> I mean, I can't tell you. The, the, like, just grief. Like grief, I have to open up the camera, pull out the pull out the pack, eject the frames that are not worth worth anything, clean all the chemicals out of the camera with a Q-tip, and then put the film pack back in the camera, praying it would work, and it did, by the way. But I mean, we're, we're talking about pure experimentation here. This is the Joy Cam. It's a completely manual camera. What I mean by that is that it takes the same 500 film. When you fire the shutter, you actually eject the film by pulling a ripcord. A ripcord. <laughs> and, you know, I, I know a few listeners out there like, Oh, Mike. Oh, geez, Mike. You and the Polaroid. But Listen, what's great about film photography and what is very exciting to me is I lived my entire 20-something years in the 1990s not knowing this camera even existed i never knew it existed i mean i didn't even know it existed may i hold it oh yes absolutely so to find this camera now is super gotta fire the shutter is super exciting because i didn't know it existed it's defunct technology it's brand new in its box and i have in my hands an actual pack of film to experiment with so i, I don't know it's just i guess it's the same with people who mess around with like old ham radios cb radios Dwayne, old cars. I mean, right? I think so. There's a certain joy to uh, the discovery of something that was at once um, popular, yes. and now it's not. Oh my God, it's John. Hi, everybody. Sorry I'm late. Oh, wait, your mic is on. Traffic was... Go ahead. Oh, sorry, everybody. There you go. Sorry I was late. Traffic was terrible. John Fidelli just joined us on the Film Photography Podcast. Hi. September 1st, 2010. I brought beverages. Oh, God, I need it. Yeah, no, you're sweating. We received a lot of letters, by the way, while I'm getting... Oh, thank you. That's fine. About, you know, how cool our podcast is. And I want to say thank you to everyone out there. And it's... And a lot of letters being very complimentary of how we're different, the best podcast. And that's great. I don't know if we're the best podcast, but we're different because we're not talking to you. We're talking at with you. you. We're talking at you. <laughs> We're not really talking to you. We're talking at you as though you're a statue that really doesn't exist. <laughs> there are so many podcasts that really do. They, they just talk at you, feeding you information, not giving a flying hoot. It's like an audio book. Yeah, it's an audio book. They, 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 people don't care what you have to say. No. So, John, this is the Polaroid Crazy. Joy. Oh. It's very light. Is, is there film in it? No, no I'm going to put oh. film in it. We're going to actually try that. I, I just explained to Dwayne that uh, uh, on the Polaroid Captiva, this is the Sinbad camera here. Well, i got to say, ergonomically speaking, it's very nicely built. That's Look at cool. that one. That's a nice one. Yeah, that's the Sinbad camera. Oh, is it really? What's this? That's the Joy. Oh. Who, who promoted that? Uh, Woody, Allen. Joy <laughs> <laughs> Woody Allen. You can fire it. There's a, there's a pack in there with no film. Where's it come out? 
The back comes out the back. What do you mean? Look at the back. Underneath. Here? Underneath. See the window? Oh, that's what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. I had a pack explode in the camera like that. the spray glass. Do you see all the goop in there? The, yeah, it's like white goopy yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like toothpaste. So right now I'm going to mm-hmm. attempt to load the, uh, the joy. Where's the picture, though? There's no, no, it's empathy. Oh, I thought you said it was loaded. Yeah, fully loaded. Fully loaded. I'm well, it's to... an interesting looking camera. I mean, who would want to carry now... these things around in this day and age? Nobody. No, it was it wasn't this day and age. But I'm just saying now. I See, mean, that's why it looks so dated because it's just a big hunk of plastic. No one would carry cameras today, like you said, are so small and sleek. I mean, I have a camera that's as big as my mouse. They've it's introduced digital. this is a, this is a not a, a film type camera, but uh, the the new thing in digital photography is taking 35 millimeter. Uh, I think eventually full frame sensors and putting them in a very very small camera body without an optical viewfinder, just the uh, LCD viewfinder in the back. So you'd have a camera, a teeny tiny little camera that has like a 24 megapixel chip on it. That's really the equivalent in terms of quality of like a Canon EOS Mark III, which is like a six thousand dollar camera. That's gonna be Yikes. that's gonna be the next thing. It's like you said, things are sleeker now. Well, that's what happened to the video age. So why not to? Yeah, the exactly. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. John is going to document. Ooh, that's sleek. Oh, this is the uh, this is the Olympus. It's st- an Olympic. Mike, <laughs> that's a film camera, right? This is the Olympus Stylic. <sighs> stylic. See now, if this is this Olympus Heimlich, is this brand new? That's 1990s. This is pretty good for 1990s. This, this is why Polaroid, in my opinion, this is why Polaroid could not get market share in the 90s because everyone had these. Yeah, these are nice. They're beautiful. Speaking of things that are sleek, yes. when you set a view camera, a 4x5 or 8x10 view camera on a tripod, it is absolutely – a crowd gathers. Oh, okay. Well, hold that thought. Hold that thought. The Polaroid Joycam. I want John to document this this moment because this uh, could be another chemical explosion. Okay. Oh, you're going to load it? It's loaded. Oh, okay. Is it ready to go? It's oh, ready. it exploded when you took the picture. Oh, so it might explode now. Absolutely. Oh, this is awesome. <laughs> Let me shoot a picture of John. One – Two, three. Okay, now this is a manual camera. You actually have to pull a rip cord to get the film out. Is there a safety rip cord? Oh. No good. Oh, Jesus. What happened? Dead. It's just it's like <clears throat> one of these frames where you know like it's just, dead. It's dead. It's nothing. All right, hold on. Now, you killed her. But the, there was no flash on it. No, there was a flash. There oh, was. I yeah. Oh, I didn't see flash. it. Okay. Yeah. Let's try again. All right. Here we go. Now I'll pose for you. Okay, there's a red light blinking. Red light blinking means no good, right? Red red, red light is usually danger. <laughs> yeah, okay. Does that mean that – is that the countdown to explosion? It's 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 possible. Well, I'll tell you. I'm, I'm really thrilled. At least, like, the packet didn't just explode. Mm. There's, no cam- there's no chemical leak. This is film, by the way, that ex- – this is Polaroid 500 film that expired in uh, – uh, 07. September 2002. Oh, my. So maybe that, you know, I'm just guessing here. Maybe that's the reason why there's no picture. But look, it's still blinking red. That's because it's like, does not compute, does not compute this film. Oh, okay. Oh, let's try again. Here we go. All right, John. One. That's good. Okay. Let's try try again. You get a good workout. Dead. (laughs) This is dead. Now, no, no ma- mind you, I uh, was just explaining to Dwayne before. Are you supposed to, I'm sorry, are you supposed to leave it in the camera for a while? No. You, you eject it manually with a ripcord. This is the Polaroid Joy. And when you eject it manually, it, it breaks the packet. Right. How, okay. they get, how did they get the name Joy? Oh. Ask Simbad. Let's get him on the phone. 
Sinbad. <laughs> These packages so, okay, now. I'll, I'll ask John. Yeah. Oh, by the way, this camera, the Sinbad Captiva, mm-hmm. ninety-nine cent on eBay. Oh my God! Well, what do you expect? How much for the film, John? On eBay. How much for the yeah. film? Expired, no good brown film. Yeah. Uh, Ten buck. Twenty. Jesus, unbelievable. It's gone up to fifty. Oh my. With well, no five hundred spe- is that the speed or is it just the, no, the series? No, the speed is six hundred. It's just uh, called six hundred. It's called it's just called five hundred film. Six hundred. I'm gonna take one more shot of Dwayne. All right, one more brown muddy shot. Here we go. I hold it. I hold her up. One. She's eight. Two. Wait. One. Two. Okay, we heard we heard a click. It's gonna work. I'm I, I'm now ejecting. I'm now taking this pack of film out of the joy. Because I'm gonna, su- I'm gonna suspect that the joy, I'm gonna say maybe the joy isn't working. The joy is boogered up. I'm taking it out. Okay, okay. There's an old term that we like to use here in New Jersey, and it's that film is boogered up. And ain't I'm, no good. I'm going to eject the film, even though I sacrificed one exposure. I'm putting the pack of film into the Captiva, also known as the Sinbad camera. Here you go. Wait, listen. Ready? Ready? Oh, that's bad. Hmm. You think right now Sinbad, who we haven't really heard of in a, in a long time, is sitting somewhere no, saying... he was on, um, uh, he was on um, uh, Celebrity Apprentice. Oh, year. was he? Yeah, he got kicked off like... But that isn't like an A-list Third celebrity show. anymore. He was almost no. A-list for a while. Yeah, he made some movies. All right, well, listen, guys... My career's over with because of the damn Captiva. <laughs> the Captiva, <laughs> what did it? All right, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what... The, all right, listen. Okay. The, the, pa- the, the battery's dead in the pack. Okay. So, oh. fail. Complete fail. So, can you replace the battery? No. Battery's oh. in the pack. So, all right, everybody. So that means you got to write that guy and say, yo, bro. Who, Sinbad? No. Well, I guess you buy it as is if it's expired in 2002, well, right? You can, look, I'm not going anywhere with this, but you can do a fear factor, which is people who sell on eBay are very fearful that you're going to leave them negative feedback. Oh, yeah. Well, dude, you're done. Yeah. So you can threaten them like, dude, you're taking this film back or you're done on eBay. <laughs> so... You sold me a, a, what would you call that, a bad set of goods? What do you call it? I have chocolate in my mouth. Listen, uh, that's so, so folks out there, that's it. For the next five minutes, I won't talk about Polaroid. We had a complete failure. If you go to my, uh, my Flickr page, Flickr. uh, Flickr.com, Michael Rosso Film Photography, you'll see some Polaroid 500 images that I actually were able to shoot. So John tells me our last podcast, episode 13, where we had live music that, you know, Kevin Neblon kindly uh, told us about his songs, and John's telling me that I, I actually edited the wrong songs in. <laughs> nice. Not me, dude. It wasn't your mistake. I understand. I'm sorry. I didn't Kevin mean to your sent me some files. The songs that we performed live are correct, right? You guys didn't like... like... No, I don't think so. Okay. But Kevin, he's talking about one song, and then he gave you a CD and labeled the songs incorrectly or had the order wrong. But some the songs are wrong. So I'm like, okay, this next song is like, what's a good, what's a good? You were saying, um, played that. Oops, weren't supposed to say. Yeah, who's uh, the, some? We were playing. Let's like, just play the song about his alcoholic friend, and you played a, a different song instead. Right. And then you said you were going to play some other song, and then you played the song about his alcoholic friend. So oh, it's a little fakakt. Not good, not so good. Is that it's a curse off. word? Do I need to edit that out? Fakakt? Yeah. No, I don't think so. It means, you know, like... Jumbata. Okay. Hi, my name is Butcher. I'm Brain Chomper. And I'm Gambling Man. We're here to tell you about our show, The Killer Reviews Podcast. Each week we discuss movies new and old, talk about our lives, and every once in a while we'll have interviews like Fred Vogel from Toe Tag Pictures, 
Daniel Harris of the Halloween franchise, and Charles Gibson, the special effects supervisor for Terminator Salvation. We also have special episodes like our full review of the Alien Quadrilogy, a Nightmare on Elm Street retrospective, and Clash of the Titans. And we're also very, very sexy. Especially you, Gambling. Yeah. Our podcast is available at KillerReviews.com. And if you sign up for our forums between now and 2012, you enter a chance to win a romp in the sheets with Big Butch. Hey, it's Mike Rosso, and I'm here to tell you about The Pink Delicates and their full-length album, Who Stole the Quiet Day. You've heard lots of cuts here on the podcast, and you can check out their full-length album by going to cdbaby.com and searching pink delegates their music is right there ready for download purchase or buy the cd check out the pink delegates who stole the quiet day Hey, this is Michael Rosso, producer of the Film Photography Podcast. If you visit our newly revised homepage, filmphotographypodcast.com, you'll notice that in the upper right-hand corner there's now a donate button. This means we want you to get involved. You can donate a vintage camera, as long as it works, some film, or U.S. dollars, which we'll turn around and put right back into the podcast, filmphotographypodcast.com. Thanks for listening. We have some cameras to give away today. Today we're giving... Woo! This is my favorite part. Yes. We're, today we're going to give away the Agfa Clack. Agfa Clack. Agfa Clack. We talked about it. We never did it. <laughs> David, David, we're going to give away the Agfa Clack. How did Kevin say it? No, he didn't say Clack. He's like, Agfa Clack. He's like, Agfa Flack. Yeah, Agfa Flacked. The Agfa Clack was donated to us by podcast listener Dan Domi. Dan Domi? Dan's local, isn't he? Uh, he's he's at Penn State. Oh, because he uh, he sent me a message on email about the uh, Hazablad. Oh, which, very I, nice. which I've never used. I never I don't have any personal ex- hands-on experience with the Hazies, so I really wasn't that helpful to him. Oh, he has one. Yes. Oh, yeah. I think he got one. They're beautiful cameras. Really. I mean, I, Dwayne, when we when I was in uh, a few seconds ago, when I was like still you know in Polaroid land, uh, you brought uh, up about the fact that you setting up a four x five camera. And that basically a ca- crowd gathers. You're, you're... John was mentioning that in the in since the um, the year 2000, things have become so much sleeker. <laughs> you know, cell phones are smaller and, and cameras are smaller. So I find that whenever I set up a view camera, a four by five camera on a tripod, it invariably just people kind of walk up and they and this happens a lot yeah. and they'll just stare, kind of like, like what the hell's what, that contraption? What is that contraption? And then if you know every now and then they'll ask, "Oh, was that digital?" You know, and I'm, you know, it's a film camera, and I'll show them the the holder, and this is where the film goes in. And film, and, uh, what's that? Son? And I was at uh, one of my favorite spots in the Jersey Shore, Belmar, and there's an inlet, and there's a drawbridge there where mm-hmm. the fishing boats come in and out. And I wanted to shoot the bridge up with my four by five, and I, I I sat up, and this simply beautiful, beautiful girl named Allison mm. walked up to me, and she said, "Oh, what are you taking a picture of?" Are you gonna blow up that bridge? <laughs> 
So I said, oh, I'm just taking a picture of uh, of the drawbridge up. And she said, oh, I just think looking in the other direction, you see the sunset better. It's a, it's a more classical sense of what I find to be beautiful. And so... Did you propose to her then and I, there? I wanted to because, I mean, I'm thinking to myself, just because I've got this camera set up, this utterly gorgeous girl who knew something about photography, I got to, you know, talk to her for 20 minutes. And, uh, yeah, it was cool. It's such an odd-looking thing because... Even though view cameras to this day are made, I mean, they're, they're, somebody's making a view camera as we speak, they have an old look to them. It's an old-timey. Old, Old-time camera look, and people wonder why the heck you're using one. Except for, did you check out this website? No, I didn't. Kip, I know you, you, Kip you, Wetstein's website? John, this guy makes 5 by 7 cameras. Yes, John, please explain. This was like a interaction. You met someone who knew somebody. I met somebody. this guy. We were. I was playing at an outdoor festival in Maplewood, New Jersey. Playing what? What were you playing? I was playing drums with okay. a bunch of guys. It was like 50 bands in the hot sun. Which band were you <clears> with? I was with the Swales. Okay. And The, Virgin, uh, the Virgin County Swale? Yes. Can you go? Hey. This, do, no. this, do the Swales, is this a, uh, a Dane Johnson gig? No, this is... Um, Mark Moran and um, uh, Bob. Uh, oh, I forget Bob's last name. These are weird New Jersey guys. Well, Mark Moran is one of the um, co-founders and publishers of Weird New Jersey. Yes. Apparently. Really. Apparently, because yes. we're all from New Jersey. But if you're not from New Jersey, apparently, apparently, there's something very weird about New Jersey. Very weird. Like this weird they, stuff goes on. Like they've been goblins, ghosts, magazines, two a year for the past. I don't know, 10, 15 years. Yeah. I want to take some photos for that magazine. Weird New Jersey. Oh, I don't even care up. about money. I just want to. I'll, I'll hook you up. Oh, thank you. But anyways, after. This show that we did, um, a guy came by with this very strange-looking camera, and I was like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa!" Did you whoa, swagger over? Whoa, whoa. I'm John for Jelly on a film photography. No, podcast. I said, I said, "What?" My name is John, and I'm with the Swales. It's like, wait a minute, mate, what is that? What is that? And he was telling me that it was made by a friend of his whose name was Kip Wetstein. He's in Brooklyn, and he makes homemade five by seven cameras. And this one is his newest model, and it's a carbon fiber. Very, very light. Look at that thing. The lens is on. Uh, the lens is fixed on it. It's a wide lens. I forget what it is. Maybe you could scroll down and see if there's any uh, specs on the lens and whatnot. It, I think it weighed like 3.5 pounds or something like that. So it was very, very light. And you can get amazing images with 5x7 cameras. So people understand what I'm looking at here. Uh, this is not a view camera. This is not a front standard or back standard and a bellows. So you really don't have any movements like rise, fall, swing, shift, tilt. This is a wide-angle lens on a, a hard-bodied camera mm. with a rangefinder on top of it like the old Kellar rangefinder cameras, and you just point-and-shoot. So you essentially have a point-and-shoot camera which produces an image on a 5-by-7-inch sheet of film, which is huge! Remember you said to me, Dwayne, what are the common formats? Mm -hmm. in large, I said 4-by-5, 5-by-7, and 8-by-10. Uh, so this is a this is a 35 square inches of film. This is a magnificent sized piece of film. Is is there a viewfinder at all? There's a rangefinder. <clears throat> there is okay. Like a a, a little rangefinder. I'm, I'm guessing that's what it is. Is this on it to enlarge? Right yeah, there. it's that's a rangefinder up yeah. there. This is the body, carbon fiber. Oh, so he basically mo he basically molds it. Yes. That's a view camera lens, boy. That looks like a rodent stock. What is that? Oh, What's by the way, just so for folks following at home, where are you, John, on the web? www.kipwetstein. That's K I P P. W-E-T-T-S-T-E-I-N.com. Traditionally, cameras, Under that cameras. Are, that are point-and-shoot with sheet of film have a very wide lens. Why? Because the depth of field 
or the perceived depth of field is so great with a wide-angle lens, you don't really need to set up and focus on a ground glass. Oops, you can just kind of aim it and shoot. And it's a 4 by 5 Oh, and it is? Yeah, it says up here. 4 by 5 bodies. And there's oh, a beautiful cool. there's a beautiful lens on there. What about the uh, the uh, shutter? Is it is it a set shutter? It definitely has a shutter speed scale oh. right here. Oh, very. Oh, I see. And gotcha. It also has it's in the lens. An f-stop scale yeah. here. I don't know. It's 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 got a a gold rim on it, so oh. it might be a gold rim Dagor that he has on there. And John was Kip no. Wetstein there? No, he was not there. It was a, f- a friend of his who was using the camera to shoot. So he builds them on like I could order one. Yes. He has previous editions, which I think he built out of different materials, but this is the latest camera that he has available. Did you see any results? Is there other are there results well, on his website? Yeah, there's there's pictures up here of uh, landscapes oh, that he shot. Really, pictures? Yeah, pictures. Pictures. Field notes. She's only seventeen. Well, thanks, John. I appreciate you sharing. And is he local? Is he Jersey? He's Brooklyn. Brooklyn. So you mind if we do some news? I have some sad news. News. So I got a, a an email from uh, a friend on Facebook. I'm on the Facebook. So John Duart, uh, film and video, has ceased uh, development (gasps) of uh, motion picture film. Wow, that's a heavy hit. Duart was founded in 1922 and is giving up its traditional film processing operations to expand its digital services, aiming to accommodate the growing digital needs of its clients. I've been uh, doing some work over at Duart in New York City well, I transferred uh, some eight mil- transferred some eight millimeter film, and uh, what's funny is, you know, eight millimeter film is kind of unusual. I don't think they do a lot of it. And Erwin Young, the owner of Duart, he's an elderly gentleman. I would guess he's in his 80s, and he's dressed impeccably with a mm. bow tie. Mm. He always comes to visit me. Always comes to visit, and always hangs. And I, yeah, it's so cool because Erwin Young, old school serviceman. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, the place is him, you know, and uh, you can feel his spirit in the whole building. He really a great guy. Duart, by the way, played a uh, part in a long line of Hollywood in indie pictures including When Sally Met Harry. <laughs> <laughs> Because the sequel was When Harry oh, Met Sally. It's oh. called When Harry Met Sally. And you like, when, when Sal met... Fargo. Good movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's got to have it. She's got to have it. Down by Law. Jim Jarmusch. And, you know, the... Spike Lee, Jim Jarmusch, yeah. The Film Lab also was the operations for CBS News throughout the 1970s. 60 Minutes? 60 Minutes. Mm. The company scored a 1977 Oscar for technical achievement. Ooh. And board chair Erwin Young won the Academy's 2001 Gordon E. Sawyer Award for service to filmmakers. Wow. They're processing uh, through the end of the month. So I'm going to call my buddy Charles at Duart and see if I can go over there, maybe shoot some Kodachrome of the lab before they close. So That's interesting. Sign of the times, my friend. Well, Technicolor New York, I believe, still processes films. I know, but you know. It's funny, when you go on the LFinfo.com, the, the, the forum for large format photographers here in the United States, You know, every other week there's, oh, another lab won't do E6 anymore. Right. Another, oh, lab, another lab won't do E6. For real? For real? Oh, yeah. Color slide processing, meaning like, you know, Ektachrome, Fujichrome, Velvia. Just one lab after another. And it's been this way for five years. Just simply ceases to do that processing anymore. What size labs are these that are consolidating? Uh, what's, I mean, oh, from mom and pop right up to, uh, big, big names. Really? In the city, even. I know, I know DeGaulle Color Project still does E6 in Do New they York. still, are they still doing C41? C41! Uh, no. Oh, they're stopping processing. They're stopping dip and dunk 
liquid processing of films. E6. Right. Stopping doing it. I mean, not enough people shoot it. I mean, you have to have a separate room that's dark. You have to have the chemicals. You have to do upkeep in the machine. You need trained personnel. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing, you know. I mean, and, and, Unless you're and if one, one guy a week comes in with a roll of film, I mean, why would you do it? Well, I don't, I don't blame them for stopping doing it. It's he, just a shame. Here in the U.S., the Walmart and Targets, as the machines go broke, as they break, they're not repairing them. They're just pulling them out. They're not repairing the machines. So... So, so what are we going to do? Do it yourself. <laughs> well, you just process the film yourself. There are an awful lot of uh, podcast listeners who are processing themselves. I just think that's the future of, of film processing is do, learning how to do it yourself. Do you yeah. think that some mom-pop little shops will actually open up to – like new sh- businesses will open to service people because all the bigger guys are going out? Blue Moon Photo in Oregon. Blue Moon. Blue Moon. They're terrific. They, they don't do E6. They do C41 and black and they white. They do C8. <laughs> I hope not because it's poison. Yeah. Why would you Why would you not do E6, but you would do C41? Because there's more wedding photographers out there that still shoot film. Really? And most 4x5 color people are either landscapes or products, I'm guessing. Mm. And, and architecture, too. Right. Professional. Yeah. In the news, I think you have an article on this, probably better than the Yahoo news that I have. It says, Adams airs skeptical about lost negative claim. What's that all about, Dwayne? Who? Oh, Ansel Adams? Ansel Adams. Well, John has the article because I want him to look at it, but uh, there was a guy. What's the guy's name under the picture? Rick oh. Norsigian. Norsigian? Norsigian. Mr. Norsigian, I guess like 10 years ago or so, um, bought a box of glass plate negatives. Okay. Uh, before there was plastic, negative materials were emulsions coated on glass plates. Early in Ansel Adams' career, I'm talking about the 1920s to the 1930s, he used glass plate negatives to make many of his images. So this guy was sitting on all these uh, all these mm. negatives, and then he had an, uh, a so-called Where art appraiser at a Beverly Hills art gallery um, who said... Ansel Adams took these. These things are worth $200 million. Yeah, but this guy <laughs> says... That's absurd. Dave, David W. Streets, who appraised the images... Uh, now, the problem is this. Is the guy who said that, but somebody said, who's there's, this? There's a lot of people. Doris Allen, the, who owns the Bryant Galleries in New Orleans, says. That's not true. These are not his images. That's absurd. I, I personally know John Sexton, who was Ansel Adams' uh, assistant um, a couple of years before Adams passed away, and he has a newsletter, and I'm, I'm the recipient of his newsletter, and he said that the general consensus among people who know about Ansel Adams and his work on the Monterey Peninsula in California, believe this to be the work of someone named Earl. Uncle Earl. Is there a last name with that? I don't have it in front of me. And the reason why is this man worked at roughly the same time as did Ansel Adams. He did a lot of the same shots in Yosemite National Park, the Sierra Nevada areas around California. Earl Brooks, okay. Uncle Earl. And he was called Uncle Earl, Uncle Earl to people who knew him. And he was also a very good photographer. And Ansel was very, very, very careful about how he uh, organized his negatives, how he filed them, how he stored them. So why would he, oh, you know, where did I put that box of negatives? He wasn't that kind of person. And maybe in his later years, he, you know, was a little stunad. <laughs> I, I suppose that's a, it. that's a possibility. But uh, anyway, this guy who bought the negatives, the person who's acting as the middleman to the art community, the streets fellow, who says they're worth $200 million, not sure they're trying to uh, convince people that this is indeed the lost work 
of Ansel Adams, the value of which would be considerable in reprints, in calendars, posters alone. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, Ansel Adams <clears throat> is the most widely distributed and published photographer in the history of the world. So, you know, to have a piece of that action is, you know, who wouldn't want to have a piece of that action? The problem is, though, many, many people who know far more about this than do I just simply don't think, though, that this is the work of Ansel Adams. So it's, you know, their word against their word, mm. you know. And so it's interesting is to see how it's going to play out. Well, it says here, you, you mentioned that he would never do that. The family said that. He locked his negatives in a vault. In a vault. His vo- in a bank. His vault. negatives sit in the International Center of Photography in Tucson, Arizona. I wrote an article about it. If you know, we can we can mention it right during the uh, the book section. And uh, ICP, no, the Center for Creative Photography is in Tucson. ICP is in New York. I stand corrected. Right. So the Center for Creative Photography houses um, the archives of many many well-known photographers, and Ansel's work is in there. Right. You know, so all of a sudden, why would there be a box of uh, of his negatives that aren't part of that? So you would guess not real. It's Earl I'm, Brooks. I'm guessing not real. Okay. I mean, you know, I'm guessing no. Well, we'll see how it plays out. So, I mean, it's interesting just from the point of view to see how it plays out. Thank you, Dwayne. You're, you're quite welcome, Mike. Thank we you. We today a uh, notice about a website that I think will be a website that would really interest listeners. It's called filmdev.com, F-I-L-M-D-E-V.com. It's a site for linking film developing recipes hmm. and then it links to Flickr somehow. So for example, there's a note here that says Kodak's Triax 400 in Kodak T-Max 1 to 4, 6 minutes 30 seconds and then it lists, you know, processing. So basically people log on and list their recipes for film developing, of which there are hundreds. Yes. I guess everyone develops their own style and yes. preference, correct? Yes. And I truly believe that there is a tremendous amount of difference in the look of a negative in the brand of developer you use, the dilution of the developer, the temperature, the agitation strategy, or if you don't agitate at all, you do it develop by stand development. There's a there's a real a real look in terms of tonality, sharpness, graininess or lack thereof. There's a lot a lot of differences. So it's it's uh people develop, you know, their own favorite way to do things. F I L M D E V dot com. You could uh, check it out. You know, we could move into to workflow. I think that a few listeners were surprised that my workflow what did not involve the chemical process. Well, it does, but it doesn't involve me doing the chemical process. I haven't done that since the late 1980s. You're too mm-hmm. busy getting cameras to <laughs> give away. <laughs> I haven't developed film since the 80s. I have a you know I have a darkroom set up. I have an enlarger. I have the bench. I have all the trays. The, the tongs. Even though I never use the tongs. Did you did you use the tongs, John? Always. Oh, you did? Yeah. You, I, you get dermatitis if you don't. Oh, I didn't use the tongs. I just stick my fingers in oh, there. That's brutal. It, I always had open cuts on my fingers. I didn't want to stick them in brutal on your skin, there. yeah. It's not good. Your skin just absorbs that stuff. Yeah, it does. Yeah. On the subject of workflow. I can't stop eating this chocolate. you got to yeah. get it out of here. Ever see the movie... Uh, I love you, man. No, I want to see it. Oh, you it never saw funny. that? No. The bromance movie. Yeah, it's a very, very funny movie. I saw, it. I saw I Love You, Man. It was, I, I thought it was very funny. I love the day when, where the guy goes, and by the way, I saw the movie Chocolate. It's a delightful film. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll get it when you, when you see it. Delightful film. It was a delightful film. This is a letter from Kevin Johnston. And Johnston! I don't know where Kevin's from. Johnston, Rhode Island. Oh, Kevin's from uh, Watsonville, California. And Kevin says, Could you talk a bit about your digital workflow? After scanning, how do you organize, name your files and folders? Are you archiving full resolution images suitable for printing every frame? What is your storage backup method? Do you tag in an app or on Flickr? Do you organize in a program like Lightroom or just use Finder on Mac? 
And what can you recommend about Flickr for new users in terms of pools, upload file sizes, and especially tagging? Can I answer a couple of them? I, I do I do a fair amount of digital printing, scanning four by five negatives. Okay. And I keep two cop. I, I organize them first of all by geographic location. Like I'll put like California slash then a number. I just find it's easier to do that than just to ambiguously number them. Digitally. When I when I store them digitally, yes. And do you put them in folders? I uh, I just have uh, each state is a different folder. So I have a folder landscape photography. Then each state has its own folder. You open it up, Arizona slash Slot Canyon 1, something what, like What that. about models? When you shoot models, how do you arrange that? Uh, I've shot so many models that each photo shoot of each girl is archived on a photo CD, and then they get organized alphabetically. Okay. I th- and I keep side by side like the full resolution file for printing, and adjacent to it is the JPEG optimized for proper resolution on a screen that I can upload anywhere. That's as a backup or just in the file? No, you want one, one high res version to print out if someone wants to print, well, and a low res for the web. Let's do one. Let's do one question at a time. Oh, okay. That's, well, those are the ones. Only so ones that's how you organize and name your files. Yeah. I. Can I say how I do. Oh, you go ahead. You do it. No, go ahead, John. No, go ahead. You do it. No, go ahead, John. No, go ahead. You do it. <laughs> I, All right, I'll go. <laughs> I just basically do what Duane does. I uh, organize it into large um, files, like let's say uh, kids. Then I'll put the kids in different folders. And then okay. I'll, I'll number those. Does each those... kid have a different folder? Yes. What happens when there's like two kids are in, in one shot? Then I have a different folder for that. Okay. But I do it with the date. I do it with the date as well. Yes. Oh. My, so that my... way I know exactly what I'm looking at, what time of year. Well, you're charting also I'm the growth of your children. Yes. Yeah, landscape photographs, I mean, I don't care what year I took them. Well, you right. never know what, what time of year it is, you know, winter. I have, for winter I have a folder called 2010. 2010? And, and in that folder are subfolders. Oh, you do it by the year. That's pretty good. In that folder are subfolders by date. So if I oh. have a roll of film or a pack of film, mm. I call it uh, 2010 underscore 08 underscore uh, 17 underscore Kodachrome 25, mm-hmm. or, you know, Polaroid 100. It's long, but that's why I know exactly. I mean, I thought of, I mean, folks out there, I mean, there's so many ways of doing it. I guess find out what works well for you, and then you kind of have to stick with it. What makes sense for you? Yeah, because photographic models, it makes sense to organize them by their name. Photographing landscapes, if you've traveled across the country a bunch of times, like I have, it makes sense organizing by state. Mm-hmm. Mike likes to shoot different types of films, so it makes sense to organize it by film type. And so I'm testing all sorts of films yeah, and sure. cameras. Right, right, yeah. Sometimes I'll put a camera name. Yeah, you got to be highly organized. Guys and girls out there, if I was not highly organized, I'd be literally insane. Like, yeah. it would just drive you... Because the volume of stuff I have. I'm, I mean, I'm shooting multiple rolls per week so questions continue are you archiving full resolution images suitable for printing on every frame and then in parentheses isn't that what negs are for that's an excellent question why would you well i what would you what would you scan every single frame of a negative material at high resolution isn't that the reason why you're shooting film so you can archive the film well for for me i like to scan it at a reasonable resolution so that if i wanted to print 20 inches by 20 by 20 Mm-hmm. Or something in that area. So I'll scan it at like uh, 2400 DPI. Yeah, but if you're a person that shoots, say, 35 millimeter Kodachrome and drum scans, that you're not going to send every no, single I'm frame. Dr- I'm doing the Epson yeah. E700. Uh, so I think that, that the equipment that you use and the ease with which you use it determines whether you actually scan every frame. Matt, that would be my. I'm my... also saving as JPEG instead of TIFF, which means there's some compression, but the right. files are smaller. So even though it says it's X amount of 
megabytes. It's actually a little smaller when it's actually stored. Okay. And I'm 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 scanning fairly high resolution, and then I make a duplicate of that same file that is um, 200 DPI at like six inches, which is you know about two megabytes small that I could put on the web. Mm-hmm. Do you make multiple copies, John? Of like, do you? Yes. Oh, you do. Mm-hmm. You make a big one. I make a big one, and then you that I back up for sure. Then you beat <clears throat> it down smaller so you can put it on the web. Uh, yes. And do you store them just on your hard drive or a redundant hard drive like a RAID? I, or? I store them on a separate hard drive. Well, next question: <clears throat> What is your storage backup method? I, I I don't store any photos on my laptop proper. It's all on uh, two separate drives. What happens when the big alien mothership comes and sends out the burst of, 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 of <laughs> electromagnetic energy and everything's gone? Well, John shoots uh, film. He doesn't have to worry about it. Yeah, I got my negs. That's my point. Excellent. Got my negs. <laughs> Screw them aliens. Listen, once I'm done scanning, I have everything on a, a shelf like mm-hmm. by like uh, by by quarter. Like January, February, March is a quarter. Wow. Then March, you know, April, May, June, a quarter. Right. At the end of a quarter... The end of an equinox. <laughs> I then... End of a fortnight. End of a fortnight slash equinox. At the end I of a quarter, I take a box and I take all the stuff, because I, it's transparencies, it's negatives, it's Polaroids, and I put them in a box, I label it what the quarter is, mm-hmm. and I put it on a shelf. And you sit back and go, ah. Because I have everything scanned... I'm at a, so organized. <laughs> because I have everything scanned at a reasonable res- resolution, if I want to do a fairly big print, mm. I'm ready to go. Yeah. I also take the files in that 210, you know, it's all in a folder called 210. Last year, John, the folder was called 2009. <laughs> was it really? Yes. That's crazy. I take that, and then I I'll, I do this on a laptop, and then I back it up to a hard drive, then I take that back up, and I back it, back it up again. Hmm. So I have one, two, three copies hmm. of my work. The laptop hard drive, of course, is like the work in progress, and I'll back up maybe mm-hmm. every few days. Do you make a CD? I do not. Is another backup? You're not that paranoid? Oh, because you think that hard drives like hey, you fail? Never know. I, I, I use CDs instead of a hard drive. I don't, I don't know. I guess I just got in the habit of doing it. I've archived material, files, on CD from the year 1994, and they're still work great did you ever think about transferring them to a newer cd cd you know now a lot of people are archiving to dvd right there's more space space. i haven't archived to to cd or dvd in a very very long time it's very time consuming and you just push a button you walk away it only holds so much data yeah and since i have multiple backups Mm. the the idea that all the hard drives would fail on the same exact day It's pretty slim. It's pretty slim. Except if the alien mothership comes. Right. Yeah, if someone zaps it. Then you're not. Then you're screwed. For film prints, just, you know, for film, motion picture films, what I was doing for a while was I would take masters. These were tape masters. And I would store them at different locations. No, seriously. Like like Lord Valdemont from uh, Harry Potter. (laughs) So you spit yourself up into six different places. If you have all of your film, I mean, think about it. Just 2009 alone, the amount of time invested in scanning all the stuff. Mm. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. If a hard drive fell and I lost all the data, just the idea of going back to scan everything is, like, just a misery. Oh, God. So, if I were, it, my advice is if you're super paranoid or if you, there's always the fear of flood or fire. Mm. Or famine or it, locust. <laughs> back up the drive. And store it at, like, the mother-in-law's house. Right. I used to even think about, like, getting a safety deposit box like our friend uh, Ansel Adams 
and throwing mm-hmm. a drive in a safety deposit box at the bank. That's an idea. Yeah, but it's like, you know, my work isn't that great that I got to you, you You really can't back up enough, seriously. I mean, I, I, I have three <clears throat> copies digitally. I really should have one off-site. Mm-hmm. I should. And um, You definitely should. Yeah. Because fire can happen, man. If you back it up on three separate hard drives that are at the same location, you have a fire, you're done. And mine are at the studio. It's an industrial complex. There are many, many, many businesses mm-hmm. under me, next to me, below me. They probably me. die with an uh, arc welder. Yeah, no, there's a guy. There is yeah, an I arc know. welder. I know. There's an arc welder. There's a... Uh, an art zeller. <laughs> a, <laughs> he was a photographer. Was an, our hot water heater in our bathroom in the office last year burst on a Sunday. Really? Oh, dear. And it rained upon the neighbor downstairs. That's stair, not good. Downstairs. That's not good. It, you know, ruined one of his computers. I mean, <gasps> it had nothing to do with us. Right. You know, it's, it's, I don't own the facility, but I thought about the grief, you know. I mean, we're on the top floor, so mm. we can get... Well, what if your roof leaks? Ex- well, I have buckets. <laughs> no, I, I, I have buckets. Yeah, but what if it collapses? The roof is fairly new there. What about if the alien mothership lands there and puts a hole so big that it just rains in your hole? And one of the space. strut, one of the mothership's struts, the, the leg that comes, and it's got a supermodel strut. This anyway, goes, Kevin anyway. goes on to say multiple that, locations if you're paranoid. Definitely, I can't tell you how many friends. These are friends who have families who don't really do anything professionally or even mm. semi-professionally. All their digital images on one computer with no backup. It's crazy. Zero. It's insane. And nothing's organized. That's insane. It's not like it was 30, 40 years ago where everyone had their code of slides. Where you could just throw everything in a box and forget about it. Was it was in a box, and, and for the most part, because I see it at, at yard sales, or as Rob Nunn would say, boot sales. I see it. Families are, this is kind of sad, families are selling their, their life history. They're selling their slides. Or in a state sale, someone dies. And these boxes of slides that I purchased for $5 are very organized. They're huh. labeled, they're handwritten labels. So I think that today, with digital technology, digital home movies, that people are shooting, 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 not archiving anything, not labeling anything. So at the end of a year, someone's home memories are just a complete and utter mess. And they're one click away from being eliminated forever by accident, you know? And people delete a lot of stuff. Mm. They don't uh, delete, 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 uh, delete, delete, delete. They'll shoot a thousand pictures and delete seventy-five percent of them. Yeah. So just goes to show you, people should just shoot movies and then just pull frames out. Yeah. I'm serious. It's well, one of my pet, one of my pet peeves with with modern day photography magazines is now that so many digital SLRs now have the ability to shoot HD motion picture. It's just, when you read a photography magazine now, it's also a video maker magazine. Yeah. You know, it yeah. really is. Well, it had to had to happen. It had to happen. Oh, by the way, there are also sites online that are either free or next to free where you could store data. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I don't trust that there at all. There you go. Well, if it's something that, if it's your images. Like I photoshelter.com. Yes. Them. I mean, it's highly unlikely anyone's going to rob your images. But it certainly is a piece of mind backup that if you fall asleep with a cigarette <laughs> and you torch the place and luckily crawl out that and you know all of your material is gone. That you have it at, what's it called? It's horrible. Photoshelter.com. Photo, uh, uh, photoshelter.com. But the next question is about tagging, which is 
Also, mm-hmm. tagging and, and labeling, uh, which is very, 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 very important. And I'll tell you why. I happen to uh, I scan my Polaroids on a Canon Lide Scan 90, and I scan my negatives and transparencies on an Epson V700, and ultimately, I bring everything into Photoshop 7.0. And in Photoshop, but I guess you could also do this in other apps or in other programs, mm-hmm. You could do, there's a drop-down that says File Info. Well, as you know, Dwayne, if you shoot digitally today that is actually a file info for that shot Mm -hmm. the f-stop the shutter speed called it's called metadata yeah that's i mean that's really awesome (laughs) that's really awesome oh last time Dwayne john mentioned i mentioned sprockets sprockets on the next episode of sprockets we dance (laughs) (laughs) that was brilliant that was his best my monkey that was his best bit I mean, that's pretty... What, what, if, what if, happened if, to him? Was there a Sprockets movie? Which no. which, which actor was that? Michael that was, uh, Myers. Michael, Michael Myers. Oh, he's around. He made that horrible guru movie. Oh, my God. Yeah, but he's Austin Powers, man. And Wayne. Come it's awesome if you shoot digital that that data is there. <clears throat> I mean, that's really... Cool. It is cool. It is really... It's very helpful. Very helpful. So, if you're like us, you know, the outsiders that we are, <laughs> scanning negatives... Each image I bring up, and in the info box, I actually type in the camera that shot it, mm-hmm. the film stock, the date, the subject matter, and if I could remember the f-stop and the shutter speed. So time-consuming. So time-consuming. It's like, take your photos and then upload them to another website. And You know what I'm waiting for? Like the, 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 next, the next Facebook kind of website, or the next Twitter kind of website to come along, and everybody's got to join it. And I, this is the point in my life I'm going to say, you know what? It's going to happen. No. No, I'm not going to. I'm not going to do any of this well, anymore. Dwayne, you can, you, you can batch edit in Photoshop so that once you do one, that everything in that folder. Oh, see, that's so much oh, easier. It's so much easier. Yeah. You, you can, didn't tell me that. You can batch edit the information. But I'm I, singing a different tune now. Something. It's your wife in the loo. <laughs> Could be. But I painstakingly go in and I tag each photo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's that ticking? Oh, pay no mind. I'll have you guys know. <laughs> I'll have you know that once I tag a photo in Photoshop in the info box, you're it. Or I guess if you have a digital image, if you upload that to Flickr, mm-hmm. it sucks that data in. Mm. Oh no, it takes it. It takes it. So if I take one of my negatives, scan it on the drop-down menu, file info, add file information to it, and then resize it and put it on Flickr, the data goes with it. Yep. Oh, I did not know that. I would guess that for digital, that the data input would be much cleaner. When you input the data, when you manually do it, it's, you have to just patch, you know, you have to put a space in. You have to make it look nice. Right. Yeah, but but that's what I do. I don't use Lightroom. I don't use Finder for Mac. I use Photoshop 7 and... Um, I thought you got CS4. I, I, uh, the studio has CS1. Oh, okay. Because of the server. Right. But on my personal laptop, my my personal work, mm-hmm. I use Photoshop Seven still. Uh, and yes, I make I make a uh, a copy of each file. If I'm going to upload something to the web, be it the Facebook uh, or the Flickr, I uh, beat down the file, make a duplicate, and I beat down the file. Beat it. <laughs> yeah. So, beat uh, Kevin, it. I hope that's helpful. Folks out there, I hope that's helpful. And that's what I do. That's what I do with my files. That's takes, what we do. Takes an amazing amount of time. And that's probably why I'm single. Mm. <laughs> amazing amount of time. Yeah. And I do it Labeling systematically as second yeah. nature. I don't even think but about it. But see, that's the thing that I think you're missing. Once you get yourself into the habit of doing all these things, it doesn't become such a drag. Because, it, like you say, it becomes second nature and you can, do, you can uh, get through it a lot quicker. Well, I will tell you one thing, John. Yes. 
uh, that's why I think Pink Delicates and other music is very, very popular that I suggest because during my workflow, I'm doing a lot of scanning. And listening. And listening. So I listen to music. And what I've rediscovered as of late that I haven't really listened to since I was a teenager, but now appreciate much more, and I encourage everyone out there to really listen to this, is what was known as Side 2 of Abbey Road. What was known as? <laughs> well, it's a CD now or a, a in file. The, in the new remastered yeah. edition. And side two from... Uh, folks, this is not photography related, but since we're talking about scanning and workflow... Side two has a great flow. What the but hell? Even if you, if you have some downtime, you know, or if you're done listening to FPP and are doing some commuting, find Abbey Road... And listen to side two. Who who are these guys, the Beatles, that you're talking about? You know, it is an underappreciated... You're just getting into Abbey Road now? No, no. I listened to when I was a teenager. <coughs> oh my are there God. any songs that were hits? Well, yeah. It's a suite. Com- she came in through the bathroom It's a suite window. that was Sun organized came. by Paul McCartney. Came up with the idea because they all had bits. They all had the... Bits and bits and, bits bobs. and bobs. They took all the bits and bobs and Paul McCartney... Strung them together, right? With Sir Paul McCartney, with Sir George Martin, mm-hmm. kind of put this together. And from what I read and from what I see in documentaries, it seems like Paul really was the driving force. At and that point? In the studio with George Martin, like like in the studio, mm-hmm. whereas John was here, right. Ringo was there, George was in India. Right. Meanwhile, because I know I've been a little hard on Sir Paul lately, John. To, to John. I'm, to John I, I don't, I'm not a big Paul fan. John kind of turned me on to the fact that Paul Paul's was a, a bit of a nudge. He's a jake. You know, but if you look at it, he really was the driving force. He did a lot of good, but he was Let still it be a pain in the was ass. his yep. driving force. He's like, hey, let's get the band on a roof yeah, and play as a so live is, team. So is the movie The Magical Mystery Tour. It's not that horrible. It's a, oh, it's terrible. On side two, Dwayne, answer your question. You have... Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. Well, that's a full-length song. That that's doesn't start hit, the sweet. That might be a George Harrison composition. That is a George Harrison yeah, song. He sings on it. Also, uh, side note, side bit to the side bit. George Harrison had his first A-side single with the song Something. Something that, in the way From that moves. very album. That yeah. was on side A. He's very happy. Rubs right against my... And then my he said, F you buggers. Well, I think maybe... Do, do you know that his, his album, All Things Must Pass, is the most successful... Solo? All the Beatles solo albums. Oh, I think Who Band produced the, it? I think Band on the Run was. Who produced that it? That's Phil Spector, no. is it? No. You serious? Band on the Run did it, not outsell that one? I don't think so. I think John's wrong. I, I don't think wrong. so. I read it on the web. No, Band wrong. on the Run was like huge. Huge. It was like, yeah. like, like millions and millions. Well, maybe of... it's critically lauded. Okay. All right. All Things was, Must Pass is a really it's awesome album. It's an awesome album. album. Yeah, it is. Do, who produced it? G. Don't know. Okay. We'll Jeff Lynne. Uh, okay. Then you get into Because. Right. This is where it starts. Yeah. This is where it starts. And it's like, this. when I put the album on, on the digital, on the iTunes, I start the album on Because. Right. How's it go, John? Because the wind is windy. Oh, that's a great song. Yeah. You know the song. Yeah. If you get the Love album. If yeah. you have the Love album, yes. they have that track without the music, just the vocals. It's oh, yes, I've awesome. heard it. I've heard it's it. awesome. Then he goes goes into You Never Give Me Your Money. You never give me your money. <laughs> you only give me your funny papers. And in the end, I don't know the word. Then it goes to the Sun King. Here comes the Sun King. <laughs> 
Then right into Mean Mr. Mustard. Mean Mr. Mustard sleeps in the park, shaves in the dark, and the paper. Polythene Pam. Oh, you should see Polythene Pam. She's so good looking that she looks like a man. Then she came in through the, the bathroom, bathroom window. I'll do the Joe Cocker version. But like the Then Golden Slumbers. Golden Slumbers fills your eyes. Smiles await you when you rise. Speedy, darling, do not cry. That's a Paul song. That's a good one. Because I will sing, sing you a lullaby. lullaby. Carry that weight. Boy. <laughs> what is it, Phil Collins? Carry that weight. <laughs> it's a Phil Collins from South Park. <laughs> Boy. You're going to carry that weight. Who's that, Lemmy? <laughs> <laughs> then the end. You know, the, one of the weirdest experiences I've had, I, I went to go see the Fab Foe in the city, and there was like six guys behind me in line singing that song. Like together, in unison. Together, I almost threw up. <laughs> um, I was like, oh, oh my god, that is the gayest thing ever. And then on the inner groove of the album, Her Majesty. Her Majesty's a pretty nice girl, but she doesn't have a lot to say. Boom, 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 boom. Her Majesty's a pretty nice girl, but she doesn't have day to day. But I gotta get a belly full of wine. Her Majesty's a pretty nice girl. Someday's gonna make a mind. Oh, yeah. Someday's gonna make, make a mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta get that last. If you can, f- get the uh, his 2000 tour. Uh, oh, McCartney. yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Uh, DVD, it's very, very good. No, no, don't buy anything by Paul McCartney. <laughs> he, he, straight up. This is a Kodachrome walk. John Meadows, a FPP listener, is organizing a Kodachrome photo walk on Saturday, October 16th, 10 a.m., in Kleinberg, Ontario, Canada. You should go. It's on, it's on the Facebook, and I, I put in a definite maybe. You get you a choice of yes, no, or maybe on Facebook. Dude, you should go. You should go. And you should bring with you Abbey Road. <laughs> <laughs> I have speakers on the outside of my car. You know, I have to tell you guys, you know, we're, you know, middle-aged. You know, you can't take it for granted that young people know the Beatles. They heard of them. It's conceivable that no one knows about Abbey Road side, okay, too. No, you're tr- okay, you're, you're right. right. The photo Sad. walk. If you go to the Facebook, if you're a member of the Facebook, you could probably look up Kodachrome Photo Walk John Meadows. If not, you can email John Meadows at jgmeadows, M-E-A-D-O-W-S, at gmail.com, yo. Jane Meadows. <laughs> G, I'm sorry, jgmeadows at... J.G. Meadows. J.G. Meadows here for Coast Castro Convertible. <laughs> John Meadows, jgmeadows at gmail.com, if you want to take part in the photo walk. Uh, and you should. Let's give this guy some support. He took the time to organize no, I'm serious. this thing. Yes. You yeah. Bring some you know, and send it up he'll have Kodachrome available oh, to. Oh, he's going to supply it? Oh, that's amazing. Oh, dude, you got to go. You got to go. You should go. I have and my... tape it and put it on YouTube. <laughs> put your video on YouTube with the second side of Happy Road. And in the hey, real quick. Real quick. Real quick before we do our, our camera giveaway, then we got to go. There's nothing. I'll book of the month real quick, this. too. There's oh, nothing yes. real quick about this show. Nothing. Guys, I have to tell you, there's nothing quick about this show. As a matter of fact, Lance from Belgium sent me an email. Lance, of course, does. The uh, the photos that he leaves around all over the place. <laughs> right? Picture crossing. Picture crossing. Picture crossing. Picture crossing.com. He sent yeah. me an email, and he's a little backlogged on listening to episodes because mm. he's like, so his commute is not that long. His commute is like 15 minutes. Yeah, so he, it takes he him. three hours to listen to a podcast. It takes him weeks to get through one episode. Jeez. So, 
We've been going long. No Our, kidding. One episode is close to three hours, Dwayne. Dude, How long has this one been going on? We're one hour twenty-four in. Oh man, we get. All right, let's let's end it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, guys, this is from Wesley Phillips. Wesley, enjoyed your Just Do It August first podcast. If you're interested, there's another film photography podcast called InsideAnalogPhoto.com. Called We're Not As Good As You.com. <laughs> Some interesting stuff. I enjoyed the one about the 20 by 24 studio. It's a company that rescued the Polaroid 20 by 24 instant film process. He says, worth a listen. You know anything about this? It's a big I, camera, right? I know there were only a few of them made, and only a few of people regularly use them. I think I said that, um, oh. Do so you have, have a team of Sherpers to uh, carry this camera around with you? It, How big is it? Actually, I think a team of people delivered it in a truck. If you wanted to rent it, or there was a Polaroid studio in New York City where you could actually go there. and use their facilities there. Timothy Greenfield Sanders is his name, who's a very well-known celebrity portrait photographer. I believe he's used it more than anyone. I, I think if you can go to 20 by 24 Studio or Google that, you'll find their website. The Google. He says, across the pond, there's also Film Wasters Podcast. Interesting. It's called FilmWasters.com. I've been there. I went to the podcast, and one episode showed you how to peel the Polaroid pack film, take the waste end of it, and make a negative out of it. Wow. They submerged it in uh, a liquid Mm -hmm. and actually created a negative. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. I was amazed. Lots of time to kill. uh, More time than you. Whew. Yeah. We're working on on interviewing a couple of people. We should should bring this up. Uh, Wesley's in uh, Greer. South Carolina, USA. Thank you, Wesley. Thanks. Thank you, Wesley. Yeah, who we, who oh, a very on? famous photographer in New Jersey. He's a guy named George Tice. He's a fine art photographer. Shoots uh, large format. He's best known for his work of Patterson, New Jersey. His work of the Amish. And I believe I reviewed one of his books. And he lives he lives in New Jersey. He's represented by a gallery in Red Bank. And we're going to try to interview him. Maybe go to the gallery. Hmm. And uh, also... Uh, we're going to go to a, the photo show in New York City. Photo show. And try to interview some people. Maybe if John Sexton is there, he was Ansel's assistant. We can John talk Saxon? to him. We could talk. <laughs> we could talk to him about his movies in the '60s, and uh, we could talk about Ansel out. Adams and and why John still shoots film versus digital. I have not reached out to him yet, but hopefully, uh, we can maybe, maybe have an interview maybe with him. We can get a psychic to get in touch with. We Ansel could do Adams. a psychic. That's a great psychic idea. To get in touch with Ansel Adams to see to see if they're his negatives. Are these yours? That's a great here? idea. Ansel Adams is in the room. Are these yours? I feel his presence and he's saying, Leave me alone, I'm an old man. Saying, I have seven virgins, leave me. Well, thank you, Dwayne. I'm only up to number three. Well, thank you, Dwayne. <laughs> thank you. Well, it's, it's, well hope, hopefully we're doing that. Oh, and if, anybody, if anybody else, this is true, if anybody else out there knows of a photographer yes. who you think is accessible to us in the kind of the northeastern United States right. and would like to do an interview please suggest them to me or to us because I love interviewing people it's, uh, it's something I truly enjoy doing I like going to other people's offices and their galleries and their studios and seeing how they work and looking at their prints right. and hearing the stories behind how they shoot yeah. why they shot something it's just a joy for me to do it yeah. so if there's some, someone like in, in New York City that maybe uh, you, you'd like to hear interviewed uh, it's something I'd love to start doing again because we did it a couple of times at, at, other, at the other photo show and it's always a, a treat to try to do it so just yeah just give us a shout and film photography podcast at gmail.com <laughs> right now we're going to give away some cameras <laughs> we're giving away we're giving away two polaroid one step close-up cameras they take polaroid 600 film which you can buy on ebay if you're, you're lucky a, some film 
I'm including Impossible. Excellent. Wow. Impossible. PX600. Is it PX600 Silver Shade First Flush? Mm. There are eight images in this uh, uh, pack right now, but there wow. will be eight, seven, six, five images because I'm going to uh, shoot three. <laughs> okay. And you're going to give those pictures that you shoot to the winner. Oh, if you win the camera, you're getting the images with the camera, with the pack loaded. Autographed pictures of us. Yes, pitches. You hungry, T? You want to send the kid for my job fresh? <laughs> pitches of us. We're here on the east coast of the United States, New Jersey. We take pitches. That's why we take pitches. I don't and know what you do, but you take pitches. The great thing about, which I haven't talked about, yeah. what is the great thing about Impossible Project Film, Impossible is a... Enskidae. Um, located in the Netherlands. They bought a Polaroid factory, and they're manufacturing new film for older Polaroid cameras, like the Polaroid One Step Close-Up. I'm inserting a new pack into the camera and i call them polaroid fortune cookies because the black card that's going to get ejected has an expression on it ah now normally i'd give it to john but i'm gonna give it to Dwayne because if john sees the expression i'm fearful what he's gonna say what do you mean oh you know what it is well last time we ejected a uh impossible expression and i i quoted it on the podcast and you said stupid well, we'll see. All right, here we go. Ready, Dwayne? Just because they can make film doesn't mean that they can make with the, uh, you know, Oh, the, the, lens, the lens is like... With the limericks. Right. <laughs> the lens is pointed up over here. Oh, no, no, no. It's going to eject the black card. It's oh, going to okay. be... It's like... This oh. is the fortune gonna cookie. Shoot out? Oh. It's going to shoot out like 500 miles an hour. There you go, Dwayne. Uh, What's it say? Go. Read it. Draw the number six while making clockwise circles with your leg. That is stupid. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> it is stupid. Draw the number six while making clockwise circles with your legs. Okay, give me a piece of paper. <laughs> All right. We're actually going to do what is suggested. It's hard. <laughs> now, what I'm doing here... No, that's my pad. That's my pad, John. Go right on your arm. You can't do clockwise. You can only do counterclockwise. What I'm doing is I'm going to Not shoot... Not so stupid. I'm going to shoot a picture of Dwayne with the Impossible 600 film in the camera we're giving away, but I brought a slave with me. Now, go behind him, John. All right, hold on. I actually have a little slave, a light sensor, that will fire a second flash... For Dwayne. You're so, edge light me or back light? He's edge <laughs> No. He's edge lighting Dwayne. Dwayne, look this way. Now, the, the, uh, now, make believe you're talking into the bike, Dwayne. <laughs> still, John, you're still in the show. <laughs> okay, that's good. Just hold up the light a little bit more. That's it. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Did it work? Well, it's impossible film. Possible film when you, when you, uh, fire the shutter, you need to shield the film from light. <laughs> you gotta slam it down. Yeah, I slammed it down. You gotta so, slam it down like here, a you, card you at shoot, the uh, blackjack table. You shoot. <laughs> <laughs> you do. You Who should, should I shoot next? Oh, you. Of course. Oh, no, shoot Dwayne. No, I gotta Why? shoot you. We already got a picture of him. Right, look. <laughs> <laughs> really? You side light me? Backlight you. Oh, back? Okay. Oh, you gotta make sure the sensor is pointed towards the camera, though. Oh, that was the shot there. Okay. Stick okay. your hand way in. Stick like your hand this? into the lens. Oh, that's perfect. Ready? Oh, yes. Oh, ah, slam ah, it. Ah, ah, slam ah, it down. Who am I shooting now? Me. Oh, you. Can you backlight him? Would you How mind, Dwayne? Your hair looks plastered to your head like you've had a very <laughs> right, bad this day. This is my John Saxon haircut. It really is. It is. I told the guy. Make me look like a <laughs> sci-fi <laughs> star. In the shot, just like you were. It's pretty funny. Good. That's it. Perfect. That's really funny. <laughs> It. And now we're going to give the cameras away. This is very exciting. Yay! Here we go. <laughs> Impossible just introduced the PX70 color films. Color? For SX70 cameras. Oh. But if, if you set the uh, exposure differently on the 600 cameras, you could use 600 cameras as well. Fascinating. <laughs>
so you, each guys, each one of you guys can pick it. Yeah. What happens is, as the podcast, you get a little slap. You happy. get a little slap. Happy. Folks out there, like we're hour 30 in, get a little slap happy. I have a pile. The, the amount of letters we have, Dwayne, are like book. We haven't touched like two of them. That's it. We, we haven't looked at any letters. You should divvy them up. Give them to me because I can I can talk a little bit faster than you. Okay, we're doing a giveaway. All right. Can I pick it? Get a good one. So we got. Let's see who the shall winner. Shall I read it or shall I give it to you? No, you read it because we, we have to. Yeah, we have two of them. What do we got? What do we got? Uh, Urban Hafner. Oh, our friend Urban Hafner. Hey guys, I'd like to enter the drawing. No. I have almost every camera type imaginable, even a field camera. It's on the way, but I don't have a single instant camera. Well, now you do. Wow, Urban. Urban donated a camera. And now he's getting a camera. And he's in Heidelberg, Germany. Oh, he's the person who told me that Heidelberg indeed manufactures the press. Yes. Hey. That's called karma, baby. Well, Urban... You know, it goes to show the ebb and flow of life, the give and the take, the yin and the yang. Yep. You gave, and now you're receiving. The sunny and the share. <laughs> <laughs> okay, our second winner for a Polaroid 600 camera. Yeah. John wasn't even listening. I'm still making circles and sixes with my legs. Okay. That's it. Get a good one. <laughs> That's a long letter. Oh, man. What do you got? What do you got? The winner is Brandon J. DePew from Emporia, Kansas. Uh, thanks for the roll of film, and I have to admit, I did not use it myself. I passed the film along to another photographer that is now hooked on film photography. Well, hey, that works. Yeah, that's fine. Move it forward. What's it called? Pass it forward, baby. Yeah. Recently, I've been expanding my horizons and scour- scouring eBay for 35mm options. You guys are the best. Keep up the awesome well, work. Well, you know what? You uh, guys have the best podcast ever. Okay. Really? The Honorable Brandon J. DePew. P.S. The videos on YouTube look great. Keep them coming. Oh, thank you. P.S. John Fidelli is awesome, awesome. <laughs> That's P-S-S-S-S. All right. Brandon, congratulations. Brandon, way to go. Uh, Urban, congratulations. Now, what's exciting is when I show you guys these pictures we took, they are surreal. They are surreal. These will be up online when this podcast. Okay. Well, look at the shot. Look at the depth. It looks like you guys are in a different universe. <laughs> Look at that. It looks like John was taken at a different time, cut out, slammed in the back. Not even in Photoshop. The backlight. Cut out with his scissors and <laughs> and pasted into the picture. Look at that. Doesn't it? That's pretty weird. That's weird. The rest are kind of standard. Here's Dwayne with John's face in the background. The slave light really does help. It really pops it. Mm-hmm. It does. It kind of looks, though, from this one. It, it's almost like a source. Nice depth, John. Nice with the idea. John was thinking. John, ever since I know you from college, Think always thinking about. Oh yeah, put your put your hand right in the foreground. Let's give that some depth. Yeah, man. This is my favorite. That one. That's, that's priceless. <laughs> you see Wait. your face? Yeah. But it's it's kind of hard to decipher it at first. Yeah, the uh, the backlight looks nice. The side light on Dwayne. Yeah, I, nice. it's a slave. It you really can, helps. You can find it on eBay. You just type in uh, Flash Slave. They're small. They're very inexpensive. They ship out of Hong Kong. You can, And you can use it any. Digital photography, film photography, doesn't matter. What it does is it fires the second flash by light. Did you buy that, that flash where you're, we were talking about now? The one? Um, well, this is my flash that I've had since I was a teenager oh, okay. called the Vivitar uh, 252. Mm. This little piece here, just this little piece, it's a photo slave. They must have them in buckets. No joke, like in buckets in Hong Kong. Yeah. Because they have kajillion listings for this. 
and it's a little sensor. How much was it? That was about 20 U.S. dollars and worth every cent. The sensor fires when it senses another light source mm. and fires the second flash. It's it does a hell of gorgeous. a job. It does a great job. Well, listen, that was really uh, awesome. We gave away two cameras, and that's not it. <gasps> We're giving away Agfa Clack. Agfa Clack. Agfa Clack. Agfa Clack. <laughs> and uh, some it, penicillin to get rid of it. How's that go, Dwayne? The Agfa Clack. <laughs> this is going to be great. Who wants gonna, to pick it? Oh, I so. will. This is like John. John, like, I love giving stuff away. You just like so one of fun. your kids. I was like, who I wants will. to? Pick? Yeah, who wants to pick it? You're like, ah, <laughs> gimme. This one's jam packed. This yeah. is Agfa Clack. It's a tubby little camera. It shoots a six by nine transparency or negative. Woo. Okay. Get a good one. That's I'm it. Go, I'm going to the bottom. That's a dig in. I'm going to the bottom. It's a dig in there. Oh, John's got a winner. Ah, this one goes to. <laughs> this one is going out to my homie Javier Magia. Javier Magia. Okay, what's he got to say? It just says uh, he's from Norwalk, Connecticut. Connecticut. Please okay. put me in the drawing for this camera. Thanks a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's everything I've been like. Remember on the podcast, like, yeah, you know, if you're gonna, gonna put in for the for the camera win, tell us a little bit about yourself, so that when we draw the winner, it's not just like. Yeah, but doesn't this tell us a little bit about Javier? He's a man of few words, obviously. Yes. And I can appreciate that. Yes. Maybe Javier's a loner. <laughs> Javier, congratulations! You've got yourself a 1954. I'd like to uh, just tell you guys before we go about the the cameras we're giving away on our October first podcast. Okay, but I got to stand. Okay. We have, first of all, podcast listeners have been offering up cameras for us to give away. Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, that was really... I mean, that's sincere. Like, I, that's I can a, cry. That's Seriously. Amazing. That's it's, a, it's really amazing. Very nice. This is a letter from... Uh, this camera is offered by Paul Farkas, F-A-R-K-A-S. Paul is in Westchester, PA. And he says... Is PA Pennsylvania? Pennsylvania, USA. Okay. And he sent me... A email to filmphotographypodcast at gmail.com saying, hey, I have a Olympus Stylus Epic, also known as the MJU2, mm-hmm. to offer you guys to give away. Great. I, 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 I pulled my hat through my head when I heard that. I was like, oh my god. The, the Olympus Stylus Epic is the holy grail of point-and-shoot cameras. It is the camera to have with you at all times to take excellent Shots on 35 millimeter. Wow. So Paul says, close, please, please find the Olympus Stylus Epic, battery included. I'd like to donate to your podcast. Great. Uh, as you can see, it's a user camera. Uh, it is what a user camera. Someone who owned this before actually took a black Sharpie marker and actually painted over any... Oh, I see. Actually painted in he over... painted over all the corporate logos. Yeah. Here's John standing... <laughs> I put a roll of Fuji 400 ASA Superior Film. 400? <laughs> he says it's a, it's uh, fully functional, and I'd like to pass it along. Well, Great job. Paul, thank you. So this camera is available. Send an email to filmphotographypodcast at gmail.com. You don't have to write a book, but tell us something a little bit about yourself. Well, what do you like to shoot? Exactly. But let me tell you, this is, <laughs> this is from uh, – I found this information on Jim Tardio Photography website. It's uh, www.jimtardio, J-I-M-T-A-R-D-I-O.com, forward slash Olympus-Epic. You can't say Olympus, can you? Olympus. You're like, Olympus. 
So Jim Tardio, he says, this is the page that he has on the Stylus Epic. Most serious photographers like to carry a small pocket camera with them at all times. For those of us raised on 35mm, the Olympus Stylus Epic, called the MJ-1-2 outside the U.S., is our camera of choice. For those of you who don't know what this camera is, it is inexpensive, well, not anymore, because it's out of print, mm-hmm. and it's like at least 100 bucks on the eBay. Expensive. Yeah. It's an inexpensive point in the era. It, ha- it just happens to have a sharp-as-attack 35mm 2.8 lens that is permanently attached, a provision for spot metering, and it fits in your pocket without leaving a bulge. I'm getting True. one. True. I'm getting one. True. It's awesome, John. I'm totally getting one. This camera is awesome. I'm taking that one. May I see it? Yes. Now, he, I, he says this is not a scientific test. It's not meant to praise or criticize. Right. This is simply a report what it is. of how this camera works. And if it, if you just, you know, you're going out, you don't always want to bring the bulk. Right. And you don't want to bring a digital camera. So with this camera, which the lowest ASA you could put in is 100 ASA to, I guess, up to 1600 ASA, which is true because I put 1600 ASA when I snuck this into the Yes concert at the Wellmont Theater. Oh, is that right? Yeah. And I got lovely shots. This is an awesome awesome camera. So if you're stuck with it outside, you're not stuck with it because the image you take with it are amazing. I brought this to my Uncle Patsy's 75th birthday party. Uncle Patsy! I want to sit down. Yes. <laughs> Michael, how are you? You never call. <laughs> I shot images. Always with the cameras. I How'd shot... you get so fat? I shot... <laughs> I shot... What happened to you? Oh, by the way, Italian-American families, I guess it might be the same for Jewish-American families as well. Very, very They're very matter-of-fact. You, mm-hmm. you know, you don't see your parents for like six months. You go to an event and you see your mom you're like, oh, hey, mom, how you doing? She's like, oh, hi, Michael. Oh, you got so fat. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. You know, or Why don't you just kick me in the cold Jones. Just say, oh, you know, you know, so and so got big as a house. Oh, Sheldon. Uh, Italian people are all about the G. <laughs> Gossip. <laughs> so I took photos with Kodachrome 200 film on the Olympus Stylus Epic. Epic, 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 epic. epic. And. The pictures were so good, I blew them up to 5 by 7 made prints for my uncle and my family, and they were awesome. They made everybody happy. They made everyone happy. I got the satisfaction that I shot on film. I was shooting Kodachrome. You didn't have to run around like a nut. I got a nice meal. It was hey. great. You really want one, John? You got insulted? Yes, I do. I'll get you one. Okay. Yeah, I'll get you one. So this is available. Send uh, an email to f- uh, filmphotographypodcast at gmail.com, and we're going to give this away on October 1st. 2010. 2010, yes. Get your entries in. If you're archiving this, if you're listening to an archive, get your entry in by September, uh, like uh, September... Tw- 30, 38th. <laughs> like <laughs> September 20th, sort of. Uh, oh, my God. This is... Wow, that is so Our second camera. This is a Revere iMatic... 127 camera. Whoa, it's got solar panels. It takes no batteries. It has Where is this solar... from? I'm going to tell you. The country of origin, please. Look comes look, look at this little note that it came with. FPP. Yes, FPP. And this is from Christine Candora Hickey from Holly Springs, North Carolina. She offers up this camera for wow. us to give away. And That's she awesome. says, Mike and the gang, enclosure will find a Revere iMatic 127. I would love to have you use it as a giveaway on the show. As the name implies, it takes 127 film, which is still produced, by the way. It's uh, a huge camera for 127 It's film. a heavy sucker. 
you need to have strong neck you need to have strong neck muscles to carry it. It works fine. The selenium meter is a little sketchy, but not uncommon for its age. I'll be looking forward to hearing who'll be its new owner. It's great. And it has on it a Wallensack Raptor lens, which is a very, very good lens. You could look at the reflections in the <clears throat> lens and see different colors. Therefore, it is coated. And it's a maximum aperture of f2.8, so it's pretty fast. 58 wow. millimeter. It's nice. For a 127 camera, that's awesome. Yeah, it's metal. The Revere iMatic EE 127. It's an auto exposure 4 by 4 centimeters 127 film rangefinder camera made by Revere around 1958. It has a single fixed shutter speed, and the aperture is controlled either by the selenium cell or by the aperture lever. Do you It'll, see the focus mechanism in there? It's a little. It's the little hole next to the. Yeah, eyepiece. but look at look in the eyepiece. You got to kind of focus it to make the picture make sense. The picture. By Jeff Frisch. Here, do it to my face. It also has a flashmatic guide number automatic flash system. You align so the two. Split, split image rangefinder. Yes, you align the two red called? dots on split the focus range. Split image rangefinder. Yeah. That's neat. This couples the aperture and focus to automatically set flash exposure <laughs> based on distance. Yada yada. The lens is a 58 millimeter f 2.8 Wallen sock, like you said. Raptor that stops down to f22. ASA range is 10 to 100. The body has a white or cream baked enamel and brushed aluminum alloy finish. Some versions have the top plate brushed in a metal finish. This camera listed for an astonishing $139.50 price in 1959. Whoa! Whoa is right. That's like a thousand bucks. It is. For those of you who don't know, 127 film is... One of... It is a very cool-looking camera. It looks like um, something Andy Warhol might use. Yes. If he were still alive. The 127 film format is a forgotten film format. It is part of my series of forgotten films, and it is 127. Welcome to 127 Film Photography. It is a roll film. It is 46 millimeters wide. Frame numbering marking for 4x4 and 4x6 image formats are printed on the backing paper. <clears throat> Typically, 4x3 cameras have two frame count windows exposing the left and right halves of the 4x6 frame. Using the square format, there are 12 exposures per roll, 4x3, and 4x6 will give 16 and 8 exposures respectively. Have you loaded this camera? I have not loaded this camera, but I own a Yashica 44, which... It takes the same. Yeah. Is it hard to, to, to... No. Now, normally that has backing paper on it. Yeah. I, I took the backing paper off. Oh, you did? Yeah. The format was introduced by Kodak in 1912, along with its first vest pocket Kodak. 1912. 1912. Uh, World War uh, I troops used to carry the vest pocket camera. Huh. In the field, in the ditches. Um, the folding 127s were, in fact, smaller than most 35mm cameras today. The 127 format made a comeback during the 1950s, uh-huh, as the format of choice for small, inexpensive cameras such as the Brownie and Satellite, and continued in wide use until it was surpassed by the 126 film and the 110 film Instamatic cartridges, around like seven, uh, 63 to like 72. And then it was replaced, of course, that was replaced by 35mm. 127 cameras from that era were often characterized by simple box-like structure. 127 slides were often sold at tourist and gift shops. The 127 slides were the same size as 35mm, just the image size was much bigger. Right. By the way, if you want to buy 127 film, let's say you, you get this Revere iMatic EE 127 camera. EE. 
You can go to Freestyle Photographic online Freestyle! and buy uh, Photo Kamika FK R100 film. Or you can go to the Frugal Photographer online and buy Blue Fire Murano 160 127 film, hmm. which is repackaged Kodak Portra 160. What's what's the average price for that stuff going? $9.99 a roll for 12 exposures. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you have to get a process or process, process mm-hmm. it yourself. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, folks, up for grabs Beautiful. is this amazing camera, the Revere iMatic EE-127. You can see a photo of this on uh, the group Flickr page. And um, there you have it. And there you have it. Filmphotographypodcast at gmail.com to enter. Yo. And thank you very much to Paul for giving us the Olympus Stylus Epic to give away. And to Christine Candora Hickey for giving us the Revere EE-127. Thank you so much. Yeah, very cool. Hey, thanks everyone for tuning in to the Film Photography Podcast. We'll see you in two weeks. I want to do a shout-out to our webmaster, Greg Dumont. Thank you for all your help. Greg Dumont. And a shout-out to Rob Nunn for doing our show notes. You can find Rob Nunn at robnunn.com. Dot com. That's N with two N's. Rob with one R, one. <laughs> Rob with one B. And uh, Greg Dumont is, of course, at KillerReviews.com. See you guys in two weeks. She shows her happy head through it all a blue thread Eyes on